2: Hey, everybody, welcome into another episode of Can We Please Talk podcast. I am Mike Leon
3: and I'm Nick Severi.
2: on the program today. Jeez, I mean, I can't even read this copy because we just had this <laughs> another mass shooting. Nick happened last week in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wash, rinse, repeat in this country. Nick and I with the latest from that shooting. And later on in the program, uh, the Features and Opinions Editor over at the Texas Signal Jessica Coggins is going to join the show. She was on Once Upon a Time. She's coming back to discuss, obviously, the school shooting we we're just all still reeling from back in Uvalde, Texas. Plus, Jessica recently was covering some of Beto O'Rourke's uh, town hall down there as he gets set to challenge Governor Abbott for the Governor Abbott, excuse me, for the governorship down there. So more on that later on the program from Jess. Uh, Nick, I'm, I'm going to say hello to you. It's another how are you doing? But we're like dejected. Uh, it is a continued feeling. We're going to get into it in a little bit. Um, it, I feel like this show has taken on a similar plug and play format, right? It's uh, we come in, we're we're a little monotone. Then we play President Biden's clips. We let you know about the, another school shooting. We yell for a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll have somebody on to talk about it, and then, and then nobody's going to do anything, man. I, I like. I'm at I'm at my wits end. With some of this, and I laugh when people ask me, "How do you think up of content?" And I'm like, "Just, just turn on the TV, man. I, you know, there there are so many topics that I just want to shed spotlight to. And maybe we are doing uh, a decent job, just in terms of like, you know, we post links for the GoFundMes and things like that. But I don't want to do that. I'd rather have the people alive and well. I don't want to do that. Um, but anyway, I say hello to you, my friend. How are you, how are
3: you doing? I'm good. Uh, I I do feel resolved. Um, you know, as a resident of the state of Pennsylvania um it was a fruitless effort but uh the day after of uh, all day um you know i i called the office of senator pat Toomey, who's going to be uh, leaving the senate uh obviously that's a very big race in the country uh for the seat of pennsylvania um you know I'll be figuring out at some point how to support John Fetterman's campaign. You know, the Democratic candidate. Uh, yes, for those who listen, or who do say I'm not, you know, critical enough on Democrats. Now it's not the time, and place. So you can kiss my ass with that stuff. Because um, Republicans aren't the problem here. It, t- come at me, seriously. <laughs> I invite all the haters on that one. Uh, the GOP sucks at this moment. When it really, at least, it relates uh, to guns. So like I'm with you in feeling dejected but I also feel even more resolved um just as a parent uh, as as a citizen um I think my resolve is also fueled by the fact that on Twitter and I took a break um I took a break on Tuesday for a few days just because it was just um there was just some postings that were just difficult honestly uh, mm-hmm. as it re- relates to the shooting but then the other day I had to step away from it too because I saw um just saw a passivity among what I would consider left-leaning people about student loan payments and what has Biden done for us and I'm not showing up and I just want to throw my phone across the room you know if, if Tuesday doesn't get you up off your ass to do something about it as a citizen then go to, go to hell honestly if your if your argument is well what what about my student loan payments honestly folks you sound just the same as what about her emails right. you just sound like an idiot And I'm tired of it. So, I I think all of us have to, first and foremost, remind yourself that the United States of America is a republic. What that means is that your state is the battleground. It's your responsibility to vote. It's your responsibility to be involved. It's your responsibility to be civically engaged from the local level. I'm a resident of the town of Palmer, which Eastern School District. So I got to be aware of our school board. I got to be aware of the town council, the mayor. I got to show up for those elections. I got to do something about it. So, Mike, I understand where you're coming from. And I feel a little bit of that, too, as a, as a citizen of the United States of America. But as a citizen of the state of Pennsylvania, I have things I can do. My wife and I have things that we can do uh, to make sure that the state does its damnedest to to make sure that what we saw in Nevada is not the case here, Um I also take a moment, shout out to the state of Pennsylvania for partnering uh, with the Sandy Hook Foundation for an app uh, that allows people to anonymously place tips just based on social media postings and other things that raise awareness um, for the possibilities of mass shootings or just violence in general uh, really great resource to use um, and again it allows for anonymous tips so I'll, I'll share that here maybe in the sh- show notes we can link out to it i think other states are doing it too uh, so mike i'm i'm with you on that that feeling but i'm it i counterbalance it by reminding myself what can i do
2: yeah we're going to get into some of that in a little bit uh, you know it's not every republican we don't want to paint them all with that brush there's a few out there and you've seen the not the senate though no, in the Senate. Right, right. Uh, yeah, they're in the House, unfortunately. Um, anyway, let's get into our first segment, because like I mentioned, wash, rinse, repeat. If you don't haven't been following the news, I can't imagine you haven't been following the news because you're listening to us. But a gunman uh, killed four people and, and including himself as well as he was the fifth one in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a medical building shooting at a doctor that he blamed uh, for causing him pain from a recent back surgery. Uh, The shooter, Michael Lewis, uh, police said, killed himself after a rampage in Tulsa. And just that day, Nick, just earlier that afternoon, this man legally purchased an AR-15 style rifle and used it to go into this hospital, kill two doctors, kill two other people, and then ultimately take his life. Uh, I, I can't even believe this. Uh, listen to the way the local news over there summarized some of the events. And then I want you to hear we're going to play a clip here from one of the doctors that was recently speaking that I think was in the vicinity of when the shooter came onto the floor. Uh, she wanted a chief residents there at the hospital. And just take a listen to what she says for a second.
4: Tulsa police say the gunman burst onto the second floor of a building adjoining St. Francis Hospital and began firing. One woman witnessed police arriving. Oh
3: my God, he's getting his rifle out of his trunk. They're all getting their rifles and it's in a medical building. They're running in.
4: Police were on the scene three minutes after the first 911 call and made their way inside. The officers that did arrive uh, were hearing shots in the building, and that's what directed them to the second floor. Police say they were breaching the door on the second floor when they heard the shooting stop. They then found the suspect who had killed himself. We have confirmed he had one long gun, a rifle, and one handgun uh, on the scene. Police say the gunman was going to the second floor for a reason, but they wouldn't say why. The floor houses an outpatient surgery center and a breast health center. When police made a thorough floor search after the shooting, they found one person still hiding in a closet.
1: We are supposed to be the ones that are caring for others during tragedies like this. To think that our caregivers were the victims uh, is just incomprehensible to me. They died while serving others. They died
2: in the line of duty. All right. So you heard a little bit there. uh, Obviously, I mean, geez, listening to that video uh, of the woman uh, recording the cops, um, you heard a little bit from the doctor there about, you know, these are caregivers, right? It's an outbound patient surgery thing, right? (laughs) Like just imagine being somebody there on a random, you know, Tuesday, whenever the shooting was last week and all of a sudden, a, a, a crazy guy who was able to get a gun earlier that afternoon, Nick, comes onto the floor and starts shooting people. Um, President Biden spoke last week to the American people yet again, almost in consecutive weeks. Uh, he's on a roll here. and I'm sure he doesn't want to be uh, speaking about the gun violence that's happening across America. And t- just take a listen to something that he said here, because it's going to set one of us off here on this panel. And that one of us is me. Take a listen.
5: Standing there in that small town, like so many other communities across America, I couldn't help but think there are too many other schools, too many other everyday places that have become killing fields, battlefields, here in America. We stood at such a place just 12 days before, across from a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, memorializing 10 fellow Americans, a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, gone forever. At both places, we spent hours with hundreds of family members who were broken and whose lives will never be the same. They had one message for all of us. Do something. Just do something. For God's sake, do something. After Columbine, after Sandy Hook, after Charleston, after Orlando, after Las Vegas, after Parkland, nothing has been done. This time, that can't be true. This time, we, we must actually do something. The issue we face is one of conscience and common sense. For so many of you at home, I want to be very clear. This is not about taking away anyone's guns. It's about, not about vilifying gun owners. In fact, we believe we should be treating responsible gun owners as an example of how every gun owner should behave. I respect the culture and the tradition and the concerns of lawful gun owners. At the same time, the Second Amendment, like all other rights, is not absolute.
2: Uh, So you heard a little bit there from President Biden. Uh, Real quick, before I get into my soliloquy here, the Gun Violence Archive in 2022, Nick, okay, this has been an evidence-based research firm out of D.C. that has been collecting stats around gun violence across the country. Uh, So far, there have been, as of this taping, just as of this taping, let's let's get this episode out the door, 234 mass shootings. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Our episode was titled 19 equals 199. And so far, there have been 234. You can do the simple math. 35 shootings have happened in just two weeks. Mass shootings, three or more people that have been killed. Um, Okay. The president said something there that I take umbrage with. And the big thing that I take umbrage with is, and I've had this discussion with, was at a wedding uh, over the weekend back in New York, and it's about this gun culture. You are not part of a culture, You, you have a hobby. A culture means that you are of a particular race. Nick is Indian. I am half Puerto Rican, half Cuban. My mother's Puerto Rican. My father's Cuban, right? Cubans celebrate Nochebuena, obviously Christmas Eve, and we do a big feast and we invite people over. We have cuisine. That's part of our culture, right? We have certain traditions that we do that we pass down from generation to generation. That's a culture. You owning a gun is a hobby. You happen to own a gun. I own golf clubs. I play golf. I'm a seven handicap. Yes, sure, Nick, mini flags. But what, what I'm saying there is, is that they're equatable. Okay. It's a hobby. It is a hobby. You're using it for protection. And I don't want to argue here with the sensible gun owners like I did with that person who was at this wedding until he made a pivot. His pivot was we agreed about AR 15s. His next sentence was, and then they're going to, it's not going to stop there. They're going to come for the guns I have. And my argument was so freaking what? If the guns you own are causing harm to the greater society, we need to stop selling those guns. We need to uh, verify the people that are getting those guns. No one is coming door to door to get your guns. But if they do, so what? People are dying. Little kids are dying. They are dying because that gun that you are holding so tight to, that you feel is part of some culture that you've made up that is not a culture, people are dying because of that. And you continue to fight vigorously for some stupid culture that does not exist. It's the same thing with what happened on January 6th. It's people, the people that died on January 6th. So what? I say to that, so what? This is Mike Leon's opinion now. Just like I said to Eamon Mohudin, whose podcast was based on somebody who died that day. Why should I care about somebody who died based on a lie? It was a lie. The election is not stolen. It's not stolen. You are not part of culture. You grew up around guns. Cool. Not a culture. It's a hobby. And if tomorrow the government comes and takes my golf clubs because somebody, a bunch of people have died at mass golf club smackings, let's call it for lack of a better term, I'm going to say, damn, so we got to do something about this. Who gives f- if they take my golf clubs? And it's not analogous because golf clubs don't kill multiple people in, in, you know, in one sitting. I can't kill people rapidly with a golf club. I don't understand how people don't make this leap. I get that you have a gun for protection. I get that you have it locked up. My mother has a gun. Do I trust my 68-year-old mother with a gun to stop somebody who's coming in the house with a gun? Do I, Nick? Have you ever seen my mother? She's been accurate with sandals and when we were kids and slippers. But now I trust her with a gun. What is going on with people right now? Rule number one, you are not a part of a culture. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. Just say it's a hobby. Just say you want to freaking own the gun and that you don't care about people's lives. Stop cloaking it in this cultural shit and this Second Amendment thing that you haven't read properly because in there it says regulated. You haven't read it. It literally says it. So you haven't read it. Stop cloaking it in that. I am sick of people with this gun culture stuff. And I'm going to bring this up to Jessica Coggins as somebody who lives down in Texas because I don't understand how gun and the president mentioned it there as a gun, as a gun owner himself. Cool. Mr. Biden, President Biden, with all due respect, that is not a culture. You just happen to own a gun. It's not a culture. I don't understand how people don't get the need to get these weapons off of the street and just turn to our neighbors to the north and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who recently enacted legislation to do a huge buyback program for handguns and to limit the sales of handguns. Because And I quote him, I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, A good guy with gun can't meet bad guy with gun if neither have guns. It's not that hard. I don't understand his fascination with guns. We're gonna try to do something with somebody who is involved with the NRA or at least a gun zealot. Um, I don't get the infatuation. I get owning one for protection. You got it locked away. It's a pistol, whatever. I get it. I'm not with it but I, I kind of get it. I'll give it to you. But Jesus Christ, can you meet halfway? There are kids dying because an 18-year-old kid who tried to circumvent the system and get his sister to buy a year prior was able, once he turned 18, to get it. And then another guy, another kid, another guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because his back is hurting from a surgery, decides to get one that very day and kill four people. Come on, man.
3: I turn to you, Nick. I actually disagree. Um, Oh, the the concept of culture here is is very real to the gun owners. Uh, The culture that they subscribe to is, for many, what they consider America. Um, The association with the Second Amendment about guns is the idea of protection. Uh, There's a really good quote that someone had tweeted recently uh, that kind of points to this idea. That you know, why the need for guns. Well, in a country that historically was basically stolen, and there's no argument about that, um, predominantly built on the backs of unpaid labor in significant portions of the Eastern Seaboard. Well, if you historically have been built that way, then there's a fear that one day what happened in the past will come back on you. And what's the way to prevent it? guns actually would be one way. Notice that property theft in the, in the United States. We often associate that with guns. Like I keep a gun in my home, right? I actually don't. Um, but the reason you do, people argue is, well, what if someone comes to my home and tries to steal my stuff? Think about that for a minute. Think about the idea that you're so worried about your shit that you feel the need to keep a, a, a weapon, of, a tool of death in your home. There is a culture behind this. And I would argue that for many, it's what they it's what they define as America. It's not the one for me. I tend to think of culture in the American context as, as one of of diversity, because historically that's how this country was been built. Um Although they won't teach you that in the te- in the you know history classes right now, shout out to CRT, I guess. Right, right. The teachers, uh, the teachers, yeah. we
2: can't trust them with the curriculum, Nick. But we can, but trust, we can trust them with the guns. guns. Yeah, we can trust <laughs> yeah. them with a gun to shoot yeah. down the, Bet, the guy. Yeah, better strap up. Um, right, right,
3: But, but yeah, no, I I understand what you mean, and it's funny because we've had this conversation when it comes to like Twitter and what do we define um, as privacy and ownership, you know, right. from a media company standpoint. But yeah, no, I I ardently push back. Because what's been manufactured with the gun culture argument is something, I always bring this back, bring this back up. When Ronald Reagan was governor of California, there was an assault rifle ban. It was in place because of the Black Panthers. You can look this up. So at the time, we associated, or they, conservatives, associated gun ownership, certain level of gun ownership with the Black Panthers the book right there, Black Against Empire. It's a story of the organization uh, of the Black Panther Party. Um, so at the time when the association with guns was for Black people, Black militants, immediately the government said, well, well wait a minute, wait a minute. We, we can't let this be you know run wild. But then suddenly in the 70s and 80s, When conservatives put forward the argument about protectionism and conserving our values, that's a very important word here, conserving, protecting. What can I do to protect it? Well, if you've been fed the lie that you're losing something, because white people disproportionately aren't really losing anything, um, then you will feel the need to protect it, and you will purchase a gun. Couple that with the amount of money that's just fueled into political campaigns partly from the NRA, but also from gun manufacturers. All of that adds up to a narrative that we like to tell ourselves about the need to own a weapon. I'm at a place now where I do think there's a conversation to be had about what prompts you to buy an AR-15 or any type of weapon of that level. Like There should be a conversation if you walk into a store and that's the gun you choose to buy, that there should be a discussion of it. Uh, as had pointed out about the Second Amendment, yes, it says specifically a well-regulated militia, folks. That's called a police department, and that's that's where we are. It is certainly a culture. It's certainly one that's been fomented by conservatives for for a generation now, and it's just playing itself out. Every time we see someone buy this kind of this kind of weaponry, and I'll be clear, I I, I understand where Biden's coming from. I think there is this concern that people that gun owners have of of just any type of gun that you own could be confiscated. We're not Cuba. (laughs) We're not a communist country. The the argument is not to go into your home and take your weapon. What the argument is, is having an honest dialogue about what weapons should Americans be allowed to own. And the slippery slope argument that comes up often with guns is stupid, because we don't see that slippery slope argument play out with the First Amendment. There are certain pieces and there are certain laws and policies in place. But in general, nothing stopping that amendment or for you to have access to the freedom of speech it's the same thing with guns it's very easy to say there are certain guns that citizens can own and there are certain guns you cannot own period end of sentence that does not argue against the second amendment but for for many conservatives especially those who are getting money from companies that produce ar15s right then that's the point yeah i think you're on my i think you're
2: half on my side though because culture in in your analogy there and your summary there is subjective, is what you're saying, oh, more or less? Yeah. Absolutely. Like because, it, it, right? I'm thinking culture, like just like you said, uh, diversity. One thing I did want to note uh, before we we toss it over to our next segment and Jessica Coggins from the Texas Signal, who will be on. Um, every shooting that has happened that the president touched upon there, from Pulse nightclub to what happened in Las Vegas, which by the way, my sister was at that festival. Um, which is very scary for me. Obviously she left the day before um, to all the shootings that have happened, El Paso, Santa Fe high school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they didn't go into the school, Nick with an Xbox controller. They didn't go in with an M M&M and CD. They didn't go in with a call of duty game. Uh, they didn't go in with a CRT book from some university. They all went in with a gun. I leave you all with that because there's one common denominator in all of this. And in some instances, The police were so afraid of the weaponry that the person had that they had to call for more backup. I leave you with that. Uh, In our next segment, when we come back after the break, the fantastic Jessica Coggins from the Texas Signal, she's a features and opinions editor over there. Uh, She has been covering everything that's been happening in the state. We're going to talk a little bit about Uvalde, but also she was covering some of Beto O'Rourke's town halls, because obviously he's challenging Governor Abbott Uh, for the governorship uh, this fall in the midterms. Jessica, when we come back after the break. The presenting sponsor of this episode of Can We Please Talk is Athletic Greens. Nick, athleticgreens.com. Now, come on. Everybody knows you've talked about it on the show, how good it is, how it's helped you. You're looking lean, mean for the people watching on YouTube. Tell them about how Athletic Greens has been helping you.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm now about... I think a little, a week and a half into my subscription. So it comes in. Great packaging, by the way. The colors, the logo, they, they get this right. Um, in addition to that, I got, Mike's going to probably talk about this in a moment, but travel packs. You know, it's easy mm. enough to get the bag, but the bag is what I'll talk about here. Got a great bag. It's about 30 days supply. One scoop, 12 ounces of water. Shake it up in the bottle that they'll provide you and you will feel fantastic. I'm at a point now where I don't start my day without it. And they recommend starting on an empty stomach. So as soon as I get downstairs, while the coffee water's brewing, and you know how I feel about coffee. We do. I'm pounding my Athletic Greens, feeling supercharged. Coffee just gets me straight. And I'm, I'm good to start my day. I can't, I can't start my day without it, Mike. Nick loves Athletic Greens.
2: We love Athletic Greens here. One delicious scoop of AG1, and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right, just like Nick mentioned. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, the energy that you have throughout the day, folks, recovery, focus, aging, all of these things with one scoop, just one scoop, Nick, of AG1. Uh, Listen, folks, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. No need for these different pills and supplements that you're looking out for your health. You don't need that. Athletic Greens has got you covered. And by the way, to make it easy, for being a listener of Can We Please Talk, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash emerging, E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash emerging. You don't want to go to that? Click the link in our show notes. That'll take you right to there. It's time to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. She's back again with us from the Texas signal, the features and opinions editor over there. Uh, Jessica Coggins joins us back on the can we please talk podcast, Jess, Mike and Nick. Thank you so much for hopping back on the podcast with us.
0: Uh, Well, it's great to see y'all. Although I know that we are talking over some very tragic circumstances that have been happening,
2: Hmm. you know, Jessica, I'm so glad that you said that. I want to get first your takeaways on the tragedy in Uvalde. You you and I are both members of the Hispanic community. I know Uvalde is a a predominantly Hispanic town, a small town. You're a Texan yourself. Give me some of your early takeaways uh, when you heard about this tragedy. Is it something for you that says like, not again, or is it because of the way the gun culture is down there, is this something that are we just becoming numb to this specifically in the state of Texas?
0: I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors that played into this. Uh, Now you will hear many, especially on the Texas GOP, those factors will be things like doors or uh, video games, mental health crises. That's not to say maybe there aren't some things, but the number one thing is still guns. And here in Texas, this is an easy place to get guns. And this is what happened with this individual who was 18 years old. Uh, that is, you cannot purchase alcohol. You cannot purchase chewing tobacco, but he was able to acquire an AR-15 and he goes into this school and we all saw the images and they were so tragic. Uh, 19 children were killed. Two teachers were, were killed. Uh, the spouse of one teacher, Joe Garcia, he he. Died essentially of a grief heart attack two days later. And then that's not even to say the, the amount of PTSD that is going to occur for this community, for those children, for those families. Um, and, and, you know, for me, it, it was one of those things when as it was unfolding, it feels like, how can this happen? But also we know that this happens. Why aren't we stop another one from happening?
3: Jessica, you know, it's obviously reminiscent of what we what we all saw specifically to those in Texas about El Paso uh, not too long ago. Um, under this recent administration, is the feeling that is the feeling that there is an almost an expansion of a, of access to guns or a D dere- or a further deregulation as opposed to other states in the country?
0: You know, in Texas, Texas. Uh... After El Paso, the the governor, Governor Greg Abbott, he did say that, you know, we will look at options Uh, that did not end up happening. Uh, They did not call a special session into the Texas legislature. In Texas, the uh, legislature meets every two years. Um, So the last session was was in 2021. And, you know, sure enough, we actually ended up passing more uh, gun laws, uh, including permitless carry. So now, any individual over the age of 21 who is not a felon, they they do not require a permit to to carry carry a handgun throughout the state. And that's just one of several laws that have been passed in the last couple of years. Um, You know, I I I was at an event for Better Work, and he mentioned the fact that since Abbott has been in office seven years, uh, the number of children that have died by gunfire has doubled. And I mean, that's that's truly alarming when you think about it. Like, why why should anybody have to live in this environment? I I feel so I'm not a parent, uh, but I can't imagine you know, what it's like to to, you know, be in this environment and having to explain to your kids about about these about what's happening and for them to also go through these safety drills, armed shooter trainings. Um, that just seems wildly unfair.
3: Jessica, you just mentioned uh, Be- uh, Beto a moment ago. Um, you know, obviously the the cycle, the media has sort of paid attention a little bit to also what's going on there. Um, just with his speaking out about what's going on, a much needed voice in the state of Texas right now, as it relates to discussing guns and from a policy standpoint. It, from what you witnessed the other day, just in paying attention to his campaign, what if anything feels different about? That there's momentum uh, in this race for the governorship as opposed to the Senate race from years past.
0: You know, I think that people have gotten used to his level of candor. so you know maybe a couple of years ago people weren't used to the swearing or some of the colloquialisms he would use, his very direct way of talking, which is actually I think what attracted a lot of people to his campaign in the first place. He didn't necessarily sound like your cut and dry politician. Um, you know, in the aftermath of the shooting, he actually confronted Abbott and a number of other Republicans. You can go back to the video and you'll actually hear the the mayor of Uvalde call him a, uh, son of a bee, basically. And, um, you know, in the town hall that I witnessed, uh, in Dallas recently, uh, he was also very candid about the fact that he's a father and he brought up the fact that he spent the last week with his his three children and that very much imbues a lot of his passion for this for this topic um so that I think is is something that people do credit he also mentioned that he met with the parents of one of the the young children that was killed Alethea um Alethea Rodriguez and you know he really just wanted to listen to to what her parents wanted and I think people appreciate that, you know, and basically telling them, like, whatever we can do, we will we will do our best to do. So no other family has to go through this level of trauma.
2: You know, Jessica, let's talk about his opponent uh, coming November in Governor Abbott. Um, I know you've been watching some of these press conferences unfold from Governor Abbott and also from the town as well. Uh, It just to the outsider watching some of these things play out, it just it looks like law enforcement's actions and inactions uh, cost lives. But then the information that trickled up to the governor as well, not everyone was on the same page. Can you Have you ever seen something like this play out in the state before? I don't know the way the other shootings, You know, uh, the information kind of trickled or, the, or the, the way law enforcement responded to some of those can be correlated to what happened in Ovalde. But have you seen any type of correlation to some of these, uh, the way information's trickling and and not trickling out to the media and uh, onward, upwards, up the chain?
0: You know, I do think that we are getting a lot of different stories from law enforcement, a lot of lack of cooperation. I think that is something that has been pretty across the board, not just in Texas, but across the country. Uh, The big difference is there is a huge media spotlight on this case, and people want to know why it took 78 minutes you know, for them finding out about the shooter being in the school to then going in, um, so that to me, I think is is the biggest reason we're we we're, we're getting a lot of this. And I, I mean, you know, uh, this is uh, for people who are a little surprised by the the people who who run basically the, the the city of Uvalde. You know, South Texas is 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 going to be very different than a lot of your larger cities like Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, uh, even though it does have a majority Latino population, their their mayor is is white. He's very, very Republican. He actually did not support Greg Abbott. Um, He lent his support to a primary opponent of of Greg Abbott uh, and talked about it on Tucker Carlson's show about a year ago uh, when Tucker invited him on for his... His his special <laughs> his his tucker, his
2: Tuckerness uh, you can see that <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: um and but you know I I will say that you know the the level of just changing stories has has been pretty pretty notable I mean almost every hour you're learning oh wait this actually didn't happen oh the teacher did close the door here there you know so. And even in, you know, with a lot of media that is down there, they are getting confronted by, by a law enforcement group that does not want them to, to ask questions, to take pictures. They're saying that, you know, the police, uh, the, 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 the area around the police force is, is private property. So they're being kicked off. Um, So that I think is maybe also a reflection of, of the fact that people now know about the the changing narratives of, of this tragedy,
3: Jessica. It's hard for anyone to in either, either seeing or listening to you um, note the the combination of, of not resignation but fatigue. You know, I think many people in Texas are experiencing that um, in just the circles that you're part of, um, personally, professionally, you know, as it relates to Texans. Is there any sense of even for those who are the most ardent gun supporters, that that there is just a, a reckoning or a breaking point that we're arriving at uh, due to recent events, and um, as part of the national dialogue about uh, about just gun regulation, like is there any tone that you're that you're sensing in terms of a tonal shift in in Texas with regards to the gun argument?
0: I mean, even in Texas, that obviously is quite quite conservative and has enacted a lot of these pro gun policies. Um, that actually runs a little counter to what the majority wants. Um, last year when they passed permitless carry, I was covering a rally that our local Moms Demand Action chapter was doing, and they had commissioned a survey with a couple of other gun safety organizations that showed about 60 percent of Texans you know, do support some sort of form of, of background check. Um, permitless carry was actually not popular. Uh, Even with law enforcement, uh, a lot of the police unions spoke out against that law. But, you know, we have a very, very Republican state legislature, and they are very afraid of primaries in a lot of these state House districts, state Senate districts. Um, So they will stay very right on this issue. Um, You know, just days after the shooting at Uvalde, the NRA had their annual convention in Houston, a number of my colleagues from the signal who are based out of Houston were you know attended the protest um, but it's still very much business as, as usual with with those guys and they know that they even if they don't necessarily have the money that they used to have uh, just due to uh, i think uh, the New York attorney general's uh, lawsuit but they they know that they still have these people who will always always side with the gun lobby.
2: Yeah. You fed, by the way, perfectly into the NRA stuff. we were going to bring that up with the protests, but I want to bring up something that we were talking about in the first segment. And I'm asking you this as a Texan, as somebody who has lived there for a while now, you're covering local and state politics there. Um, I don't understand how culture and guns got interwoven together. Uh, I don't get, it's not to me, it's not a gun culture. Uh, Culture is, I am Cuban, right? We eat uh, lechon and we eat picadillo and we celebrate Noche Buena and and different types of holidays that bring us together from a cultural standpoint. Uh, Owning a gun is a hobby, I would argue. Uh, And if tomorrow as a golf enthusiast, and I made this analogy in the first segment, if somebody Uh, Said to uh, some, uh, a bunch of people were buying golf clubs and killing people at a massive rate, and the government wanted to do something about regulating golf clubs and maybe even coming to take my golf clubs. I would understand as part of civility, as part of humanity, that we need to do something about this and jump on board, whether it being surrendering my golf clubs or stopping to play golf or any anything that's analogous to this. But the difference is, guns kill way more. Why is gun culture a thing? Specifically in Texas, I understand sensible gun ownership, and maybe as a hobby, letting out some steam, going to the shooting range and stuff like that. But why? Why is the argument always on one side of the political aisle, which it shouldn't be on any political aisle? It's about guns. These are ki- these are weapons that kill people. But why is it always? gun culture. I've heard this from Mo Brooks about how he would carry guns to school. I mean, he said that in a Fox News interview, which is asinine. Uh, I've heard this from Louis Gomer. Everybody's wrapping guns and culture together. Why do you feel that that's like that?
0: You know, I think that it has, there was something that shifted, uh, you know, in the last couple of decades where you're right, it became sort of an identity for people And this was, uh, I read an interesting op-ed by Greg Sargent in the Washington Post recently where they're, you know, the whole idea of owning the libs. There's something about the AR-15, which has come to symbolize that. And that has become an important weapon for people, even though if you are a hunter, an AR-15 is not going to serve you well. Uh, unless you 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 don't want to eat the animal anymore, or something. Um, but that I think has been the biggest thing. Because you go back to the nineteen seventies, the NRA was essentially just an outdoor organization. Um, I think I even had relatives that might have been one-time members, just because you know they went hunting, you know, t- twice or three times a year or something like that. Um, but then ultimately, I think they figured out that they could very much. Uh, you know, prey upon people's insecurities about maybe shifting demographics, about crime being on the rise. And you certainly also have these weapons manufacturers that, I mean, if you are to purchase a lot of these firearms, they are extremely expensive. Uh, This is not something that, you know, just your your average person can do. Uh, These things will set you back several thousands of dollars um, so it's a lucrative business for these people. And they have also figured out just ways to to, I think, really accelerate sort of cultural hot button issues to to make people paranoid, to make people afraid, to make them think that yes, they, I, every single AR-15 I I might have to use in some situation.
2: Jess, before we let you go, I I wanted to ask you because I reached out to you after you had posted a photo of attending Beto's um, town hall there. So, and you wrote a great piece that you could check out on the Texas Signal website. Um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, we're trying to hold feet to fire for politicians out there in terms of action, inaction. What were some of your takeaways from what Beto said in that town hall about things he would enact legislatively if he does become governor of Texas? And then as a follow-up, Do you think he has a realistic chance? Last time we asked you, last time you were on the show, we asked you about Matthew McConaughey. We know how that went. Uh, Do we think Beto has a realistic chance of actually becoming governor of the state of Texas?
0: Sure. Um, So at this town hall, which was also the theme of it, was essentially about protecting children and how our current Republican Party has not done that. So he did lay out some concrete steps that he would like to take when it comes to gun safety, uh, universal background checks, safety storage laws, and probably the big one, a red flag law. Um, so in August of 2019, this was a couple of weeks after the El Paso shooting, there was a shooting in Midland Odessa per- perpetuated by someone who, whose own mother was actually very concerned about his mental health. Um, however, he had a weapon. And because we do not have a red flag law in Texas, he was ultimately able to, to murder seven people and are injured 25. Um, So if we'd had that red flag law, it's very likely that 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 would not have happened. Um, So those are some of the concrete things that Beto mentioned. But he also tied it into this larger notion of what Texas is and isn't doing for Texas children. Uh, You know, a lot of Republicans have mentioned mental health in the aftermath of the Valdez shooting. Uh, Well, We don't really fund mental health services in Texas. We actually rank 50th out of 51st in terms of access to mental health. One of the big reasons for that is because Texas is one of 12 states that has an expanded Medicaid. Uh, The largest provider of mental health services in the state of Texas is the Harris County Jail. Uh, So you will have people with very debilitating serious serious conditions. They will purposefully get themselves arrested just to get mental health care. Um, So you know Beto brought that up. He also brought the fact that a lot of the legislative priorities this last session Were very much, you know, conservative red meat issues that, you know, um, you know, banning trans athletes from playing on whatever sport matches their gender identity. Uh, I didn't realize that was that big of a a thing in Texas, but apparently it was. It required a special session to to do something like that. I don't really know who who that is serving. And in fact, it's kind of preying upon the most vulnerable. So to get to your to your question about does Beto have a chance? Uh, it's uphill. I mean, this is a, a red state. Um, now, in 2018, Beto lost to Ted Cruz by a little under 220,000 votes. In 2020, Donald Trump won this state by about 5.8 percentage points. The, the closest it's been, you know, in, in many decades and actually closer than a swing state like a traditional swing states like Ohio and Iowa. Um, but it's tough, and I think most people acknowledge 2022 is going to be a, a tough year for Democrats. That's all throughout the country. Um, so better acknowledge that you know he has a lot of work to do. Now I will say he has a bunch of volunteers. Uh, I was just listening in on a, a call from his campaign where he said that they had 11,000 on the line. You know, listening to to updates. So you know i think if he has a shot if anyone could realistically do this it would be beto but it is it's extremely uphill
1: well
2: jess again i can't thank you enough for coming on the program i know it's under tough circumstances and everything that that happened down there in the school shooting you can check out uh, all of jessica's work over at the texassignal.com follow her on social media she's a great follow jess thank you so much for coming on the podcast today I truly appreciate it continue success to you and please stay safe
0: uh, thanks, guys. Y'all too.
2: Nick, as always, our show is sponsored by the good folks at Bones Coffee. You go to bonescoffee.com. Great tasting coffee at an affordable price. Come on, Nick, sell the people. Give them a, give them a quick elevator pitch. Sell on why
3: they should get Bones Coffee, folks. I I, I say this almost every week on this show. Right, flavored coffee oftentimes just the flavor doesn't show up. Bones gets this right. It is it, when they roast their beans they are imbuing those beautiful flavors into it currently we are all about the maple bacon here at the Zaveri household Uh, we get it we get it freshly bagged we grind it here Uh, it's just part of our daily routine i can't speak enough about it as mike said super affordable but just a huge library of flavors whatever you're into they got you the world's
2: freshest small batch coffee bonescoffee.com there are sample packs on there you can join their coffee club You can even buy stuff in bundles, but when you throw everything into that little shopping cart, right at checkout, there's a promo code box. Enter in one word, can we please talk? All one word, you get 15% off your first order. Head to bonescoffee.com today. All right, our thank yous there to Jessica Coggins. Check out her work at Uh, texassignal.com. I've known Jess for a while, Uh, worked with her once upon a time uh, at HBO back in New York. Uh, Super proud of the work that she is doing. Quick takeaways uh, for you, Nick. It's it, you're right. Like you can hear it not only in her tone. Uh, I've read some of her work um, and our tone when we came on to start the show. Like it's very somber. It's depressing. And I, I have to imagine, you know, if I live, I mean, I live in Florida. Obviously, you had what happened here in Parkland, but it feels like Texas. And she mentioned a couple uh, what happened in Odessa. You had the El Paso. You had the Santa Fe. Now you have Uvalde. Like. That's a that's a lot of mass shootings like that just happen in one big state right where guns are a central theme and we talked about this in the first segment about culture but um, you can hear it in her voice like yeah it's you know <laughs> what else can you do but like you said
3: a few episodes back stay safe and get out there and vote uh,
2: takeaways from Jess
3: yeah um, I think you said it best I mean there's a there's a tone that she brings to this of resignation and, and sadness um, and I think we should all have it whether you live in the state of Texas or not this is these are yet again um, American schoolchildren murdered uh, in ways that were absolutely preventable um, and I think she she speaks to it she also speaks to the reality of you know for all of us who have some glimmer of hope of Beto having a, a, a legitimate run uh, to win the governorship in, in Texas that it's it's an uphill battle. And I think that's, that's real. So yeah, as always, Jessica's great. And regardless of on this show or following her on social media, great journalist and just doing amazing work uh, at the Texas signal. Yeah. Check out all her work and, the, and what the team's doing over there. Uh
2: Also doing great work video. If you want to check out video clips of the interviews that we do on this program, check out our YouTube channel. Can we please talk? Uh, podcast just enter that there into the search bar audio podcast platforms you know by now but we're everywhere please leave us a five-star review and comment folks it really helps uh, boost the algorithm and uh, put us in related searches right so people can find this show uh email us can we please talk podcast at gmail.com you saw in the last episode we read some fan feedback but if you have a genuine dog in this race you're a gun owner right? We want to hear from you. I do want to hear from people about this issue and why we all shouldn't be on, why we should or shouldn't be on the same page because we should all be on the same page about not only sensible gun ownership, but getting these guns out of the hands of people that can do damage like this. Um, Shout out to ACAST, our hosting platform. We couldn't do it without them. We couldn't do it without each and every one of you that listen to this program. I can't thank all of you individually. If I could, I would, but I can't thank you enough. For tuning in each and every week we'll be back in the coming weeks with some more fantastic episodes we have a big democratic strategist that's coming on the program to talk about how some of these issues will play out in the midterms across a bunch of key state races going on so more on that in the coming weeks as always
3: i am mike leon and imploring all of you um be angry but be active i'm nick saveri well said we'll see everybody next time